0: I want to take a tour with you this summer, because this is the first Sunday in summer. I want to take a tour with you through the Old Testament. So why? Why? Why Why are we going to the Old Testament? Because, I mean, obviously there's a lot of good stuff in there. Hopefully you already know that. Uh, But I just want you to know, maybe this is helpful to you, Um, when I'm planning sermon series throughout the year, I'm always looking to balance Old Testament and New Testament. And... um, Always, even when we do topical things, we want to do it exegetically, meaning we're looking at Scripture and seeing what Scripture says about particular topics. And we've been in, uh, we spent two months in the book of Colossians, and we did our In Context series, which was also in the New Testament. So it's time for us to hang out in the Old Testament for a bit. Sound good? So we're going to do that this summer. And I, I mean, some of you will be like, yeah, that's fine, no problem. Some of you love history. How many of you love history? Like you're into history, so this will be maybe fun for you. Uh, in July, we're going to be doing Proverbs, but in uh, in August, we're doing Kings and Kingdoms. So uh, the the books of First and Second Kings, just a little bit. We're not going to be able to cover it all. There have been a lot of pages written about things that have happened in the past. There is a lot, like a lot. There's a lot of history to read to know out there. And why is it? Why why the fascination with things that have come before? Why is that? Why not just live in the present? Why not just look to the future? Who cares about history? Some of you history buffs are like, don't say that. It's so rude. Uh, because, but that might be a valid question for you. And there are a lot of reasons that we look back and we, 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 uh, we read these things. Uh, but probably the most important reason is perspective. Perspective is such a big draw when it comes to history. It is fascinating to hear a story from beginning to end to know things that the main characters in the story don't know, to be able to have a full picture of how something played out and why. When you are living your own life and you're living in the middle of a story, it's infinitely harder to see what the, what the whole deal is, but the perspective you have when you're looking back in history um, is so much different. And in some ways, the, the whole Bible is like this for us since the Canada of Scripture was closed uh, about 2,000 years ago. But especially the Old Testament, when you're in the Old Testament, there's so much narrative and scope. If you're reading through the Bible uh, with us, uh, doing the Bible in a year plan, you'll, you'll, if this is your first time doing it, you'll notice that you really get a sense of the scope. And the story that goes on in the the Old Testament. It's incredible at giving perspective and and showing us uh, the whole whole picture of the consequences of the decisions that were made. And and seeing how the teaching that is given in the Old Testament still holds up all of these thousands of years later. Like, all of that really matters. And I was thinking about this whole idea of perspective. This has happened so much. It's this time of year, maybe, or it's just the age, I'm, age and stage I'm at. So much is happening in my own life and family to bring this topic of conversation up. But my, uh, this, this past week, Rob and I watched our youngest child get his high school diploma. And so what's the question? I mean, is it about Malachi? No, it's about us. How, how is it possible, right? <laughs> Anybody else had this moment? Uh, Shay, who has been working with us all year, my daughter Shay—it's like um, she's off to Laurier in the fall, and my oldest daughter already at Laurier. And I have three adult children in my home, and you just think that's not possible. Uh, my in-laws are here visiting from Moncton, and uh, uh, Nana came with us to the grad ceremony, and so we started reflecting on how long ago was our grad. We don't want to talk about that this morning. It was, it was a ridiculously long time ago when these kind of milestones happened. Because when you're living in the middle of the story, you start, when you start to look back and get perspective on it, it's kind of shocking, isn't it? How fast time goes by and how much you've learned and how much you've grown, how different things are now than they were before. I, was, I often will say this now, I'm constantly reminding myself these days that I'm no longer considered a young leader <laughs> I don't know what, that, I don't know when that happened, but it happened at some point without my permission. When people talk about young leaders, they're talking about Pastor Ethan and his crew, right? They're not talking about me anymore, and I don't know when it happened. Uh, and so I, I was thinking about this. My kids were asking me. Actually, we were talking about this whole like, all your kids are adults, and your kids are all graduating, and one—I don't know which kid it was. I should call one of them out just for fun. But they said, "Wow, do you guys feel old?" said. Rob said something like, well, I sort of think of myself as a 29-year-old with the body of a 46-year-old and the humor of a 16-year-old, something like that, <laughs> it's some kind of combination of things like that. I wouldn't mind being as thin or as energetic as I was at 19, that's for sure, but I, the more I think about it, the more I reflect, the more I look back with the perspective I have now in my 40s, I realize I actually don't want to go back to that. I actually don't. If being old means that I've gained wisdom or maturity or can process life differently, I'm good with that. I, uh, I didn't know what I needed to know when I was 19 or 16. And I can see things differently now and process the world in a different way. And I think that's a really good thing. And so, kind of with that sort of an idea of the power of looking back and seeing in perspective and, and being able to, to, uh, to grab the lessons out from, from the past into the Old Testament, we go for a couple of months this summer. So, we're gonna start here uh, this month, and we're gonna call this Ancient Wisdom. And we are going to grab out some of those incredible life and faith principles we find in Proverbs, which talk about perspective. Like, these Proverbs are so many thousands of years old, and they hold up in 2023. Then we're going to jump, like I said, into kings and kingdoms. We're going to look at the Old Testament kings from First and Second Kings and what their stories can teach us about ourselves, about serving God, and of course, ultimately, our desperate need for a king uppercase K, and his kingdom that will never fade or pass away. So that's, of course, Jesus. This morning I want to start with my favorite proverb. I know that's a, that's a bold thing to say, but the more I thought about it, the more I realized that that's actually true. This is my favorite proverb of all of the proverbs. Its core principle is found in a few places in the book of Proverbs and, of course, in Scripture. But chapter 4, verse, says, uh, chapter four verse 7 says it the most succinctly, I think. It says this. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it cost you all you have, get understanding. And then it goes on to say in the next couple of verses here, cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. I just want to point out that the feminization of wisdom here is in the Hebrew I didn't do that, okay? I'm just saying that in case you were wondering. Cherish her. Isn't that fantastic? If you want to know how to be wise, do this. Get wisdom. It's like saying, the beginning of healthy eating is this. Eat healthy. (laughs) Or perhaps buy healthy food, you know? Or the beginning of fitness is this. Get fit. Or the beginning of fitness is exercise. Like just you have to actually do the thing to have the thing. The beginning of knowledge is this. Learn something. You know, like it's sort of, it's so basic in its, in its, in its uh, wording here, but it's so powerful. If you want to be wise, you're going to have to start the journey of getting wisdom. You can't be wise without getting a hold of some wisdom. The King James says it really well, I think. It says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. This is my favorite one. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Whatever you're getting in your life is secondary to this. There are a lot of things you can chase after in life. Everywhere you turn, there's a message about what you should be doing to be truly happy or truly successful or financially independent or true to yourself or whatever it is. But here we're told, with all thy getting, you should get understanding. Whatever else you do in life, whatever else you achieve, what you need the most is true understanding or wisdom. The day you begin to be wise is the day you begin to seek wisdom. It's so basic and so powerful. The cool thing is this wisdom does not require brains or particular opportunities, if you want it, come and get it. And scripture would say, come and get it at any cost. It's that valuable to you. And that's the key. Proverbs says that wisdom is worth everything you have. Give up every other pursuit, any other ambition, pay any price to get it. It is the best investment you could ever make. But why? Why is this? Why is wisdom such a big deal? Because when you make wise decisions, you are setting yourself up to avoid pitfalls, to avoid failures. You make choices in your life that aren't driven by emotion or driven by habit. In other words, a life well lived is a life that is guided by wisdom. And the trouble is, though, we don't know what we don't know. So we may sit here today and, and not we don't even totally understand the things that we don't understand. There's a whole bunch of stuff that we haven't come up against yet, we haven't had to have answers for yet. We don't even know what we don't know. We don't have the advantage of the full perspective of our lives. Our memoir has not been written yet. And so in conjunction with 4, seven Proverbs 3.7 cautions us, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. You can see I have it on the screen here uh, in a bit of a different, in in more context than that. Let me circle back to it in just a second. Because this phrase, do not be wise in your own eyes, implies that, uh, in, in the original language here, implies that you're not just proud of your own wisdom, but you feel a sense of self-sufficiency in it. Like the things you already know in your life, you feel good about. You feel like it's going to be enough. You're going to be sufficient enough. You've got this. Just trust yourself. Like that's the feeling here when it says being wise in your own eyes. It's like that cultural idiom here in 2023. You know, we always say, you're enough. You're enough just like you are. But the problem is, if you are enough on your own, if you are self sufficient, as this scripture would mean, then you don't have to refer things to God. You've got this. But let me tell you what I've learned in my 42 years. Sometimes I get it right, and sometimes I get it very, very wrong. And the problem is when I make decisions based on my own self sufficiency, I can't, I can't tell as I'm making the decision which is which. I don't always have what I need to be able to know what the outcome is going to be. I can't see the future. I, I can't see all of the pieces of the puzzle. Sometimes I get it right and I make good decisions and sometimes I'm so very, very wrong. And sometimes I can't tell the difference. In fact, I usually can't until it's too late. I'm just really limited. Maybe that's just me. I don't think it is, though. I'm limited. I can only do what I can do with what I have and what I know. And my experience would tell me is, along with Scripture, of course, that it's just not not enough to live this wise life that we're called to in Scripture. And you know what? As I was reflecting on this, I was thinking, obviously the thing that's kept me most encouraged in my faith for all of these years, I've been following Jesus my whole life, the thing that has kept me in the faith all of these years, primarily, of course, is my salvation in Jesus. Like just knowing him and knowing his presence and getting to know Jesus more and more. It's the best thing ever. It's worth trusting him with your life. I will say that until the day that I die. That is, of course, the primary thing. But, but just after that, the thing that has kept me really encouraged in my faith, which is maybe a backwards way of thinking about it, it's the knowledge that I actually don't have to be enough. I don't have to know enough. I don't have to bear the weight of all of my own decisions. I don't, I don't have to, to be everything. And it is such an unbelievable relief for me. You'll, if you're new, you maybe have never heard me say that. I say this kind of thing all the time in my messages or in altar calls or whatever. I just find it so freeing because it's a very Christ, Christianity has a very different message than every other world religion that would say you need to earn this, you need to be able to do enough good things to balance out your bad things, or you need to you know reach a certain state of of spiritual whatever in order to reach the next level. And the cross just says no. None of that, Jesus is the only one who is enough, but he's offering himself for you. And you just receive that in faith, and then he starts to transform your life. It's the total opposite way of thinking about it, and it's such a huge relief for me. The more I have understood that in my faith, the more encouraged I have been and continue to be. And so, um, in in Proverbs 3, those preceding verses to, to this, this do not be wise in your own eyes... Sets this up with the why and the how. It says, this one might be familiar to you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This idea here of trusting in the Lord. Trust really has this picture in the language of, of like laying helplessly face down. That kind of trust that says, like, I, I, I just am completely at your mercy, God. When it says lean not, that's this word lean, doesn't mean um, um, incline or like lean on somebody. It literally means to support yourself, like to be supported by or completely reliant on whatever is holding you up. It's not just like a, you know, it's like a full, all of your weight resting on someone. And it says that if you do these things, if you trust God like that, helplessly laying downward, if you're, if you're supporting yourself fully uh, with, on the Lord, if you're just leaning into him like that, that God is actively clearing the path for you. There's an activeness in here. That God is actively leveling the road for you when you trust him like that. And so you can continue to walk on. That's what scripture says here in Proverbs 3. And then later on in the same chapter of Proverbs, it goes on in verses 13 to 15 to say this. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. You know this. Uh, this sounds a lot like one of the parables Jesus told. It sounds a lot like the parables of the hidden treasure and the pearl. Do you remember those ones Jesus said in Matthew 13? The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went out and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, is worth any price. It's worth your whole life. It's worth all you have. And wisdom Proverbs says, is a treasure worth more than any other precious thing in the world. Nothing compares with her. In all you're getting, get it. The kingdom of heaven and wisdom being these priceless things that are worth your whole life. There's no accident in the comparison in scripture here. And wisdom is about more than making good choices. You can feel that there is, you can just feel there's something deeper going on here. It's not just about not being foolish, though that's, of course, part of it. It's more than that. It's like wise living, this ability to be wise just in your life is symptomatic of something else that's going on here. So I want you to, I want you to follow with me. Are you, ready? Are you ready to make some connections, Old and New Testament, okay? Follow me here. Proverbs 3:19, so we're still in chapter three, we're just continuing down a little bit. It says, "By wisdom, the Lord laid the Earth's foundations by understanding He set the heavens in place." So it was by wisdom that the Earth was created, right? And if you remember from Colossians chapter one, what does it say? "The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation." For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. How was the earth created, church? By wisdom. And who created the earth? Jesus. And so Jesus is wisdom. He is the author of it. He is the perfect expression of it. There are other places in the New Testament that point us directly to this fact. 1 Corinthians one twenty four is one. I don't, I don't think I corrected this slide. This is only a part of it. But starting in verse 22 in 1 Corinthians 1, it says, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Wisdom proves itself out in your life in so many practical ways. You know this. you probably experience this. It shows up in your finances. It shows up in your time management, your parenting, your marriage, your workplace, the choices that you make every day. And of course, so does lack of wisdom show up in your life in different ways. Maybe it shows up as immaturity or impulsiveness or foolishness in different ways. I'm sure we all have stories of that. We don't have to worry about that just this moment. So if we want that kind of wisdom, if we want to be people who walk in wisdom, if you want to be wise, Proverbs 4-7 says, get wisdom. And if you want to get wisdom, so the rest of Scripture shows us how to do that, and, and that is to know Jesus. He is wisdom. So how do we do this? How do you get to know Jesus? Maybe this is old news for you. Let it be a refresher. If this is new news to you, I'm so excited to tell you about him. It's really simple to get to know Jesus, but I won't lie to you. It's very intentional. It doesn't happen by accident, but he is absolutely available for you to know. He already knows everything about you. I was just thinking, like, Adam, if, where are you? If, if you sang the bridge of Oh, Come to Come the Altar, again, like at some other point in the service, I won't be mad about it. I won't be mad at you. There's something about, there's something about that bridge that might be my favorite bridge in any song that I can think of right now. When we sing, oh, what a Savior, isn't he wonderful? Right? Oh, it's good. Sing, hallelujah, Christ is risen. And then the action item. So bow down before him, like the combination, for he is Lord of all, right? Mm. Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. Couldn't stop. The, the last phrase didn't matter as much, but I had to finish it. The, uh, like that idea that he is absolutely who he is, and he is available to be known, and he is, he is right here. Scripture is so clear that the gift of salvation, all of the things, the gift of the Holy Spirit, all of this is available to you, but you have to be intentional about, about getting to know him. He's not going to force himself on you. He's not going to knock you down with a lightning bolt. Okay, okay, occasionally he does things like, I was just, we were just reading about Paul. Tell, okay, sometimes things like that happen. But he's inviting you into relationship with him. And you have to be intentional about it. Here are some ways that you can get to know Jesus. One is, and most importantly, is an attitude of your heart, of course. We are always talking about this. It's not about the what. It's, about, it's about, not about the, the action items, it's so much it is, as it is about the state of your heart. And that first one is just submit to Jesus as higher than you. That's a weird way to say that, but that was the best way I could say Submit to Jesus as higher than you. Maybe you recall that Isaiah 55 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. It really does start with a humility. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Right? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up. There's a humility that says, I am not self-sufficient, I am not enough on my own, and I recognize, Jesus, that you are above all things. You are before all things, and in you, all things hold together. And I'm going to humble myself under that knowledge, and just always starting from that place. The second thing that we can do is to study Jesus in Scripture. This is a really simple one, but one I think we overlook a little bit. Um, Jesus is all over the scriptures, but if this is new to you, who is Jesus in the Gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read the story of Jesus' ministry on earth. See who he talks to. See who he doesn't talk to. See who he rebukes and see who he gives grace to. See how he, he challenges people. See how he, he walks with grace. See how his, his pace of life is just all about what the Father wants. Like, just listen to his teaching. Go to the book of John and like for, I don't know, is it three chapters? He's just praying. He's just talking to his disciples. See what he says. See what he's calling you to. See what he's asking. Just read about Jesus in the scripture. And then, of course, So much of the scriptures that point to Jesus, of course, the New Testament, letters after the the Gospels and Acts, pointing to Jesus, describing Jesus to us, explaining how to live this Christian life, but the Old Testament, man, it's so cool, there's so much to learn there, you can see um, all creation, all of the scriptures, all of the stories pointing to Jesus, there's so much in there. See who he is, get to know him in that way. The third one is to obey his teaching. Matthew 27 says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. If you grew up in Sunday school, I know what you want to say right now. The rain came down and the floods came up. Is this just me? Did anybody go to Sunday school in the 80s? Yes, the rains came down and the floods came up. That's kind of exactly what it says. The rain came down and the streams rose and the wind blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. And Jesus is that foundation. He is the rock absolutely for sure. But what does Jesus say? Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Obedience to Jesus and to his words is the foundation that will, uh, that, is, that is the what the wise person does. That's the foundation of your life for the wise person. Obeying his teaching. You can get to know him through what he has taught and then walking out the things that he's taught. Uh, little plug, don't have this here. We have a, an amazing, what? Okay, I love this third point, Pastor Tracy. Thank you. What did Jesus tell us to do? We have a whole course. It's called The Commands of Christ. You can find it on freedomkw.com slash next. And then just scroll down. And there's, you can literally just, it's a a PDF you can download and you can work through that. Pastor Dell has written that course uh, to answer this very question. You want to know what Jesus commanded? It's like, I think there's 30 lessons. There's 52? You're, oh, yeah, there is 50. Because I remember thinking we could do it in a year. Yeah, 52. You could do that for a year. Thanks for being here. And see, I didn't have it in my notes, so in fairness. Okay, I cut it back to you cut it back to 48? Oh, there's, the, there's a new revised edition coming, I guess, that is not, I don't have yet. There's ways to just literally find out what Jesus taught and, and to be wise to build your life and, on those things in obedience. And this one from John 10, listen for his voice. My sheep listen to my voice, Jesus saying this. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. I love that. If you, this just gives me confidence, is if I want to get to know Jesus, Scripture promises me that I will know the sound of his voice as I pursue him, as I listen to him, as I obey his commands, as I learn about him, as I I intentionally walk after him follow him, that I'm going to be able to hear his voice. Isn't that encouraging to you? If you want to get to know Jesus, I mean, it starts with that heart attitude of being submissive to the fact that he is who he says he is and studying him in the scripture and then putting those things that you're learning from scripture, his, his teachings into practice. And then every day listening for his voice. Can you hear in that the simple kind of thing? It's very, very intentional. It will not happen on its own. But it's also not complicated. And that is the source of the wisdom you need in your life is Jesus. You may know that uh, there's a whole bunch about wisdom that we're obviously not going to talk about in this particular message. But that you might know that James chapter 1 tells us that wisdom is given to us very freely. Do you know the scripture? Verses five and six, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. How is it that wisdom can be so easily accessed by any of us, according to James? Because Jesus is wisdom, and his spirit is is alive in you. And so with full confidence, James can say this, because he knows this is the truth of the Word, that you can access that wisdom, because the Spirit of Jesus lives in you. And so Proverbs 4:7 says, the beginning of wisdom is this: Get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Following hard after Jesus is the best thing you can do with your life. Go to him first. He will give you everything you need. He is generously pouring out wisdom into your life in every decision, in every relationship, with every problem, in every conversation. The spirit of Jesus living in you will guide you as you intentionally listen for his voice.